Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Community Connections Podcast. I am your host, Cole Warner, and joining me today is Emma Hilton, who is one of our wonderful spiritual counselors here at Hospice of Davidson County. Emma, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me this morning. Emma received her Master's in Divinity from Wesley Theological Seminary and did a residency and fellowship through Atrium Wake Forest Baptist Health. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that residency and fellowship looks like and, and really, I guess, what's important about it on today's episode. We really want to dive in to what does spiritual care look like in the hospice benefit and specifically at, at Hospice of Davidson County. If you want to go back and listen to a previous episode we did um, with Emily Vivarette, who is over some of the chaplains at uh, in the Baptist Health System, to get a, a, a more broad picture of chaplaincy in hospital systems and in general. But we're really diving deep into hospice-specific spiritual care today, and Emma's going to walk us through this. So, Emma, again, I really appreciate you giving of your time. And I guess just to start, you there are chaplains are an integral part of hospital systems and hospital care and spiritual care is, is an integral part to that. It goes even deeper when it comes to hospice and palliative care. They, they play an incredibly important role in this setting. What does the training look like for a, a spiritual counselor or a chaplain who's, who's going into hospice and palliative care specifically? Yeah, so the training can look um, very different than what your average clergy person has. So average clergy person, we're talking about your local pastor. Um, their training is very limited if they have any at all. Um, so that's a large difference between your clergy person and a chaplain. Specifically in what we do in our role here, um, I've taken a palliative care class specifically aimed at palliative and hospice care so that I can learn uh, best ways to serve patients, families, and our staff. Um, very different than even what I learned when I was working in the hospital system. For those that don't know, residency and fellowship is, you, you've done two total years of post master's work that's specific not only in the hospital system but then learning hospice and palliative care so for you where's that fulfillment and purpose that comes from being a hospice and palliative chaplain yeah so the large driver for me is this is such an intimate space and intimate setting uh, when people are journeying through a terminal illness um, towards end of life we as chaplains and care providers get invited into um, what I would call some of the most sacred and holy space in a person's life. Um, oftentimes we get to be there with a person or with their family as they take their, their last breaths, um, which is very different um, from the hospital setting. In the hospital setting, uh, chaplains might get called after a person has passed away or we're called in in very like high trauma, high acuity situations, whereas here in hospice and in the palliative care space, you're being invited in for more long-term relationships. That's something pretty consistent that we talk about a lot on here, that through the hospice benefit, that a lot of care is more long-term and you have the ability to build those relationships. And spiritual beliefs are so closely held for so many people that 
you probably, it's probably so much more beneficial to have that time to talk and build a relationship with patients and families and really get to sort of their fears, their hopes, their worries, you know, looking back on their life. We're going to talk about some of the interventions that you all do, but I know that life review is a big, is a, is one of the big ones. And you get that time and space to do that. So I can see why that would be a little bit more, maybe more fulfilling sometimes rather than feeling like you're always in a crisis. And and those that's necessary too. And they provide an, a crucial service in the hospitals, being there in those crisis situations. But I can see why you would feel fulfilled by that. So thank you for giving me that look, Emma. I'm curious to... You've been here with hospice now a little over a year, and I'm sort of curious as to the the key points, tenets of what you do for our patients and families. I do want to talk about the staff piece because I think people would be interested to know how much you work to help staff, but, but specifically for patients and families first, what are some of the key tenets to the services that, that you all provide? Yeah, so what we do as chaplains... Um, you know, we're coming in, we're offering support, hopefully alongside someone's pastor, if they do have a pastor. I will say that's been a big shift that I've noted even over the past three years of doing chaplaincy. COVID really impacted what um, churches are able to do. Um, clergy people change, all that sort of thing. And so we can hopefully be that one consistent piece and come alongside with those uh, local community members. And what we do as chaplains is we are, we're doing life review. We're learning about um, what gives a person joy, what brings them hope, what helps to sustain them. And then hopefully we're able to participate in some of those things that are most important to them. Uh, Sometimes that can look like um, we had a patient who loved to play checkers, right? So playing checkers with a patient. Um, I'm currently um, have a patient who, has been in a lifetime of ministry themselves. And so being able to talk about that and what that meant to them and the impact it had on their family and their community and learning how we can um, work together to hopefully um, bring him some moments of joy in this end of life process. I appreciate those, those examples because they're on the range, right? Um, Playing checkers with someone may not, you know, sometimes it, it may not feel like, Oh, that's, that's what we need to do. But I, I can tell you that it's those small things that you can do with families that that bring them that closeness, that bring them those that quality of life near the end. And you talked earlier about, we use the word intimate. I also like to use the word vulnerable because this is people, there's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. And there's also this search for control, this search for understanding, right? That that even though we all know that, that someday everyone dies, that it still is one of those things that we try to control, we try to search for meaning in, and we struggle with. And so your role is specifically geared towards providing those moments, those times, that space for families to discuss that with you, with each other, with the patient. I, I know we do some facilitating of that as well. So facilitating some of maybe those relationship connections near the end for families, you know, life, we, not everything is about 
joy and happiness, right? Life is hard. Life is complicated. Relationships are hard. Relationships are complicated. And we know working in hospice that as you come to end of life, you start to look back on those relationships. And and there's things that, that we do that help people reconnect and help them to find that peace and comfort near the end of life. And so I I appreciate having examples on two different spectrums that, that, that sort of kind of show that. Specifically in the realm of rituals or sort of spiritual practices that patients have in our community, because I, th- I think some people think, well, you know, and, and I will get to this in a second, but a spiritual counselor for, with one specific uh, personal religious viewpoint works with, with those patients. Can you talk about the inner faith piece to, to chaplaincy and how we help people get those religious practices and, and rituals that they need for that end of life experience? Yeah. So not every patient that I encounter that any of our clinicians encounter is a Christian or if we have a clinician that's not Christian, not everyone they encounter is also not Christian. So we have, um, I've noticed in the year that I've been here, we have a large number of Catholic patients. So ensuring that they have what they need. So that can look like um, last rites. That looks like um, providing rosaries to patients. So we have rosaries that have been uh, blessed by local Catholic priest. And so we offer those to families, uh, communicating um with our local local Buddhist community. Um, So we had a Buddhist patient here at our hospice house, our inpatient unit, and they were Buddhist and we were not able to have a Buddhist monk uh, come out, unfortunately, but what we were able to do was to provide an altar space in the room for that patient, which brought comfort to that um, family member, knowing that we were able to meet that need at end of life for them. And and speaking to that interfaith piece, it, it is important that people of all faiths and religions, cultural backgrounds, feel like they have that spiritual support. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And our goal um, as a team is to make sure that we're all communicating, whether it be um, a language issue, uh, certain words that we use, the way that we approach a family, the way that we care for a body at time of death. Um, one thing that we do as chaplains is make sure that we are constantly communicating those needs with the team so that we can be collaborative in what we do to provide that spiritual care, whatever it might look like. And for those of you that may not have had an experience in hospice care, you know, when you come on to hospice, you get the nurse and and you get the social worker. Spiritual counseling and chaplaincy is something that you can request or that's offered to you and you can either accept or deny. And I think that's important because, I, you know, I, I know one thing that we want our families to know is that we're here to meet your needs, not to push what we think you need. And so we don't, and I'm sure Emma could talk about the idea of of attending to, to patients and family spiritual needs in the way that is best suited for them. But I, I do think it's important to recognize that this is a service you get to elect or not. And I and that's important because that allows you to engage with them in the way that best serves you and that you're going to find to be most helpful, not in the way that, that Emma thinks or any of our chaplains think is, is best. One of the other things that I wanted to ask you about, Emma, is 
something that I think maybe some people don't recognize that we have. And, and we have a, a great relationship with lots of community churches in the area and and different religious organizations. But but we do facilitate funeral services for folks in the community who maybe don't have a, a specific church or group that they're plugged into or just maybe in need of one in general. And, and so we do provide those. Emma, can you talk a little bit about that service? Yeah, so that is something that we do provide um, at end of life. It's a great thing to be in conversation about, um, you know, what do you want your service to look like? Uh, that's a really important conversation that people um, perhaps don't have. And so that is something that I encourage. And a big worrying point that I've noticed for families who perhaps um, have not been as connected with their faith community over the past few years is, you know, who's going to do the service? We don't want it to be a total stranger. Um, and we have the honor as chaplains of, um, you know, walking with these families and with these patients. And so we um, are often asked if we would be a part of the service or to lead the entire service. Um, I have done a service for a patient whom I never met, but the family really appreciated our services as a hospice and what we did and what we provided for them. And so I was able to be a part of that. I've probably done uh, about half a dozen funerals and memorial services now. And it's just one way that we can continue to support family after time of death. Well, Emma, I really appreciate you walking us through some of the services that we provide. I guess I'll put you on the spot on this. We didn't talk about this before. I guess I'll just put you on the spot here. For spiritual care at Hospice of Davidson County and what what we are working with patients, what do you see as maybe the most rewarding or, or, or fulfilling piece to, to getting to do this job? For me, uh, one thing that I have really enjoyed that I find most rewarding is when patients and families have those conversations that perhaps they've been holding back from, have been scared to have. Uh, so one of the questions I always ask families are, who are the people that aren't in the room? Who are the people that we're missing? Who do we need to talk to? And helping to be a part of that, maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's having a person come face to face, but being with people as they're having those conversations or helping to facilitate those conversations. And this is just another one of those services that that we think helps provide comfort. In no way does it make this time easy for families or, or take away hurt or pain of, of, of losing a loved one. But this service in particular, hopefully provides families with the space to heal or at least start to start that healing process. Well, Emma, I really appreciate you joining us today. Anna. And if, People want if if you have a loved one in hospice or if if it's about to be that time and you have questions about spiritual counseling or spiritual care, we're always happy to to speak with this. We really are involved in the community and like to do things with our local church organizations and ministerial associations, and and we enjoy bringing this piece to to our community this spiritual counseling piece that that we do at end of life to the community and and is really it, you know I always think that it's maybe one of the more underrated services that that hospice provides and so I'm always happy to come on here and talk about that and so Emma thank you for joining us today 
course, thank you so much.